0: Meiko Kaji was born in March of 1947 in Tokyo, less than two years after the close of World War II in Japan. The city of Tokyo was recovering from constant bombings by the Allied forces, while the mass deaths of Nagasaki and Hiroshima were still causing a truly horrifying amount of suffering, the shadows of which haunt human history to this day. However, a great deal of rebuilding over the following years would turn Japan into an economic power once more and that's where the exploitation films of the 1970s come in. This prosperity also led to the development of one of the greatest film markets in the world, and one of the staples of Japanese cinema in the late 60s going into the 70s, Meiko Kaji. Iconically fashionable and showing a true knack for bringing problematic anti-heroes to screen with aplomb, Kaji was to become one of the most interesting presences in the world cinema before winning Best Actress in the Hochi Film Awards in 1978, and then withdrawing almost entirely from the film industry in the following years. Now in her early 70s, Meiko Kaji still does TV appearances every now and again, but doesn't seem to regret her decision to leave film. Even so, she deserves to be recognized for her abilities as an action star, her incredible recording career, and her consistent interest in fleshing out seemingly one-dimensional villains, thus giving us some of the most fascinating, not to mention visually iconic, characters of genre. Already possessed by the desire to become a great actress, Kaji graduated high school in 1965 at the age of 18 and was almost immediately employed by Nikatsu, which remains Japan's oldest mainstream movie studio. However, much the same as in the United States, this time period had seen a drop in audience attendance for films as theaters competed with the suddenly widely available invention of television. As a result, studios were slashing budgets and turning their eyes to independent films, that could be cheaply produced and which did not have to be particularly good in order to turn a profit. These movies, referred to as exploitation films, depended on simplified, rapidly produced scripts and generally used campy fight scenes to smooth over what were pretty notable plot holes. In her early days, studio executives emphasized Kaji's beauty and attempted to form her into a teen heartthrob, though they would quickly discover she was not about that life. She played dozens of small roles for the studio from 1965 to 1968. But in 1969, she met and worked with the famous director, Masahiro Makino. Up until that point, she had been acting under her given name, Masako Ota. Makino suggested she change her name to Meiko Kaji, and she did. In 1970, Kaji was signed on in the role that would kickstart her status as a celebrity in Japan, that of Akemi Tachibana, in the film known as Blind Woman's Curse or Black Cat's Revenge, depending on which cut you're watching. Directed by cult filmmaker Teruo Ishii, Kaji plays the bloodthirsty leader of a Yakuza gang who brings a curse upon herself when she slashes a woman's eyes. The woman comes back with a mystical black cat to murder everyone in Akemi's gang before taking her ultimate revenge on Akemi herself. Years later, Kaji begrudgingly reported that she bears lifelong scars from the live cat that was thrown onto her back multiple times. After six years of working for Nikatsu, and just as Kaji was developing a unique voice as an actor there, the studio turned its focus to become a manufacturer of softcore porn. This didn't work for Kaji who had spent far too much time and training to becoming an expert sword fighter and martial artist to simply resign herself to playing stereotypical sex kittens for the rest of her life. No shade to those actors, but Kaji was on a different path. Before she left the studio, Kaji starred in the Stray Cat Rock film series, beginning in 1970 with a remarkably well-named delinquent girl boss, and wrapping with the fifth and final stray cat movie, Crazy Riders, before the end of 1971. If Black Cat's Revenge was her breakthrough, the Stray Cat Rock series is what cemented her status as an up-and-coming genre star. The plot of the series changes with each film, but it focuses on unruly delinquent girl gangs that engage in premarital sex, rampant gang wars and murder plots, and the resulting movies are just as fun and amazing as they sound. After Stray Cat Rock, Kaji left Nikatsu to pursue her career at Toya Company, who had gained a reputation for their interest in making female-led action films. She was immediately assigned to portray the lead in the Female Prisoner Number no. 701 series, in which she played a naive young woman who becomes disillusioned and rains vengeance upon all who have wronged her when she is betrayed by her lover and put in prison for attempting to take him out. For four consecutive features, Kaji played a character fighting to escape prison, which was to become a staple of her career. When approached for the role of Female Prisoner, a successful manga before being produced as a film, she took control of the negotiations by insisting that her character's tendency to use obscenities in the comic would have to be removed, and the nudity and sexuality of the protagonist in the original story would be transferred to other characters in the film, so that Female Prisoner could remain mysterious and aloof while focusing her motives on revenge against those that had wronged her. This single-mindedness paired with an agreement to remove much of the character's dialogue Would make the female prisoner films hugely popular in Japan, and their fate as beloved cult films across the globe was sealed. Known for growing rapidly weary of repetitive themes, Kaji became bored with her role in Female Prisoner and signed with Toho Studios to create another manga adaptation, this time Kazuo Koike's Lady Snowblood. This was to become the film for which she is best known in the US, and was a major visual and story influence on Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2. Snowblood is historical fiction, set in Japan in the late 1800s. Kaji plays Yuki Kashima, a young woman who is given a terrible task by her mother who dies during childbirth in a woman's prison. Yuki must train to be an assassin so that she might take vengeance upon the criminals that destroyed their family and imprisoned her mother. When she comes of age, Yuki proceeds to do just that, although her tale is rife with moral complexity as she meets and befriends the adult children of the men she is to slay. Meanwhile, in the sequel, Kaji returns to the role, lost and purposeless after achieving what she believes to be her only value to the world her capability for carrying out brutal, righteous revenge. Both films are beautifully shot and haunting, and it's difficult to imagine anyone else in the role of Yuki. Pronouncing the character type as she had introduced with female prisoner into its purest incarnation, Snowblood, and its sequel, Love Song for Vengeance, have remained cult classics over the decades. Possibly the best of the women's revenge subgenre, Snowblood is as beautiful as it is fierce. Its influence on world cinema is undeniable. After Snowblood and its sequel, Kaji starred in more influential films, such as Yakuza Graveyard, but her interest in her career had long since begun its decline, even as she became increasingly popular. She agreed to star in a film adaptation of The Love Suicides at Sonizaki, and after walking away with an award for Best Actress, she quietly left her film career behind. (laughs) What impressed so many directors was Kaji's unique presence. Her status as an icon of film is because of, rather than in spite of, the sparse dialogue in most of her scripts during the early to mid-70s. This intentionally nonverbal presence she cultivated added a haunting, enigmatic style to her acting, that easily lent itself to iconic memorable scenes in movies that could have otherwise been forgettable. The cinematographers of the time and the stylistic approach to fight scenes highlighted an otherworldly element to Kaji, emphasizing a seemingly eternal weariness within her steely gaze. Besides her many film appearances, Kaji contributed greatly to genre soundtracks. Her career as a singer lasted throughout her acting career, and indeed those two things often overlapped with one another often as she guested on soundtracks of the films she starred in, beginning with Wandering Ginza, Butterfly 2, She-Cat Gambler in 1972, and most notably for Lady Snowblood in 1973. This was not unheard of for Japanese actors of the time, and indeed many actors released singles to coincide with the film releases. As with acting, she had regular musical output throughout the 70s, and then her interest appeared to taper off somewhat abruptly. A noted Mako Kaji mega-fan, Quentin Tarantino, used her songs for several of his films, including Jackie Brown and Kill Bill. It was Tarantino's push to include her songs on his soundtracks that ignited a revival in interest in her output. That ultimately led her to release an album of new material for the first time in three decades in 2009. (laughs) Kaji was given multiple opportunities to work in Hollywood as American studios attempted to hire her on. However, she always declined these offers. She was never fully confident in her ability to deliver lines as effectively in English or indeed any language besides her native tongue, although one suspects her growing disinterest in film goes deeper than that. After being typecast for some time as a hardened warrior woman, Kaji is one of the only actors in history to abandon a successful acting career with a bright future for what seemed to be nothing more than boredom and exhaustion towards always pretending to be a stronger, more hardened person than she viewed herself to be. Not only did directors see her that way, but so did audiences, and fans expected a certain vibe from her that she eventually grew tired of portraying. Interested in expanding her acting chops by taking on minor roles in television rather than continuing to star in action films, Kaji is the rare character that, like Greta Garbo, left her career while it was on its highest note. Meiko Kaji's film career is a lot of fun to look back on, and even the most repetitive of her roles are still highly entertaining to watch for her fascinating screen persona. Seldom recognized for her skill as an action hero, Kaji is the rare bird that seems to embrace obscurity with little in the way of remorse for missed opportunities. Like most of the characters she portrayed, it is the enigma of Kaji that continues to interest new audiences, and will likely continue to do so for a long time to come. Forgotten Women of Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Today's episode was written by Sarah Century and read by Preeti Chipper and produced by Cher Martinetti. You can find the script of this episode and so much more at scififangirls.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at scififangirls.